Good to be back, baby. Oh my gosh. Good to good to see you, my friend. Yeah, across man. the across the states through this lovely computer screen. Across the and pixels. Yeah, yeah, across the pixels. I like that. Yeah. So just we got a little bit of things dome. to talk about today, so I thought we'd just yeah. get it rolling. Yeah. Uh, so I've been watching, I th- may have mentioned this in an episode, <laughs> and I won't get too times. much. Okay, I won't go diving in too much because everyone and their uh, estranged uncle has already <laughs> given you the spiel for this show. Yeah. Survivor's the best reality TV show ever. That's all I, I need to so. say. Yeah, and it's I so get it too. It's like, good. I've, I've I watched a season and was really into it. And I gave myself the stipulation that, like, I'm just going to watch this for a season and then I'm not going to watch the next season. And I didn't. Actually, a week later, I started another episode and I was like, it's a whole new crew and I don't even I don't even care. And I don't even want to get back into this loop. So I get the show, but I have not. Uh, I've not been on the uh, the binge that you have, I know. And for those of you listening who are interested in getting into the show, I highly suggest, unless you're like, I want to know what the show came from, where it got to, and where it's at, go on Hulu and just start from the beginning. There are episodes missing, so look up what episodes are yeah. missing. It's because of copyright issues. Like, in the early seasons, they used, like, pop songs for some uh, montages, mm-hmm. so they had to get rid of, yeah. But if you're not interested in just watching 40 seasons of a television show and you're just for like, <laughs> what's the show like now? Go on yep. Netflix. Seasons 20 and 28 are on there and they're both excellent and they get you an idea of where the show is at now. Like, how, how what's it like when they bring back players that have played before in one? And then another is, what's it like when we have all new cast members? Because that's what both seasons are. One's returning characters, one's all new, and they're both great and they give you an idea of Modern Survivor. Okay, moving on. (laughs) So I had recommended to you, because we both are huge fans of the show Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. I started it. I was loving it. You had started it. We both actually did a while ago. We We both checked out the first episode. But at the end of the first episode, there's a reference to to a character. A, A character shows up from Breaking Bad that I was like really and the show is not that it's very much its own thing but it also does have a lot of like it brings in stuff but yeah it never lets up on hey this character is from breaking bad right but it's not the point of the show the point of the show is better call saul and then the hey that guy's from breaking bad is honestly just the my favorite way fan service could probably be done you know what i mean yeah it is fan service but it's good fan service. The way in my you put opinion. it to me that actually I think was was very uh, astute was like, it's the kind of show that as a fan of Breaking Bad, you should just sit down with like a drink or something. If you don't drink, just like at the end of the night, just like casually watching whatever and just like enjoy it. And when somebody shows up on screen that you know, like actively make the choice to be like, Ha, nice. You know, like... Exactly. Because it's very easy to actively make the choice of being like, come on, Vince Gilligan, you knew we liked that guy, so you just brought him back to make us like it again. Come on. But why why do that? You know, it's a show. But it is good. And I, I do think it has the build that Breaking Bad has with, like, 
there's a sec there are sections of it through like the the story kind of meanders like breaking bad does it's not as linear mm-hmm. as like you would think it would be but it's always engaging and there are some like dips and in the ins and outs but it all always does feel like you know things are growing bigger and bigger um i don't know yeah i, I think it's worth checking out if you're a breaking bad fan if you've never watched breaking bad you probably won't enjoy the show honestly yeah, I would agree with that, maybe, because Breaking Bad is part of the heartbeat of it. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I know we, uh, we've we been checking out uh, several different, like, larger franchise things that have been out for a second and uh, are actually good additions to these larger things. And the one that I discovered that I got you into, which I want to ask about, The Mandalorian. <laughs> yes i love that score man that i love how every time it goes so good. skip intro and the intro is two seconds of a title right yeah i don't have, get that. have you noticed that like yes what am i gonna do skip the word the mandalorian <laughs> right. like no um yeah so i'll say a couple things about that show because mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit about it like over text as i'm watching it yeah but okay in my opinion this show does what if I were to watch Star Wars in, Mm -hmm. was it 1970? We'll just say in the 70s. If I were to just watch Star Wars, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of TV show I would wish they made if I found out they were making a Star Wars TV show after that. Right, yeah. Like, the first Star Wars. You know what I mean? Yes, totally. And if I were a kid... And I had just watched the first, the prequel trilogy and right. finished Revenge of the Sith. And I was like, oh, I would love a Star Wars show. This is the perfect also Star perfect. Wars show. Yeah. I just finished enjoying the prequel trilogy as a, you know, a film lover of this era. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect Star Wars show to go with it. Yeah, it is man. just, the, in my opinion, the best way to just unite Star Wars, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, yeah. it isn't trying to be like, okay, fuck The Last Jedi. It's not trying no, to be yeah. like, okay, fuck the prequels. It is like it's Star Wars It's very much love. bringing them all together and giving homages. Like, you know, yes. like the speeders. Like, there's a speeder just casually in, a, like, a desert town. And I love that shit. But it's a lo- he's, like, riding a speeder alongside uh, a, a different speeder that is, like, from... Uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, like it's so cool. It's so dude. it's so good. I I like the they, the way they meld that. Yeah, it's a brilliant uh melding of the different Star Wars universes we've gotten to know and a new one kind of because right. I'm not a huge Star Wars lore guy. Yeah, and I'm finding out as I watch the show. Yeah, I'm finding out as I watch this show and like look stuff up that I think is cool that it's actually like. Oh, that's been a thing established in another sure. like in like Clone Wars or Star Wars right. Rebels yeah, or yeah, yeah. some of the comics or whatever. It doesn't feel like that when it happens to me. It might be that, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels really well uh placed like organic world building, you know totally. what I mean? Totally. Gosh, and Pedro Pascal oh, is so a freaking, good from under that mask. He's, he's literally like under a mask a, the whole time. He, I'm pretty sure it's him even in moments where he's not talking to because he's got a swagger that I just love. Holy crap. He's able to communicate that character. 
Like, um, if I told you, hey, do you like Pedro Pascal two years ago? Which he was a thing. Yeah. He'd be like, I need to look him up and see what that guy is. I mean, I liked saying. him from Game of Thrones, but if not for oh, that okay. moment, Fair like that very Fair influential enough. role that he played, I probably would not know. Um, see, yeah, I didn't. I'm not a Game of Thrones guy. The other thing I, I just want to mention for those who don't know about The Mandalorian, I'm sure. Most people listening to this probably know at least this much about The Mandalorian. But if you don't know, it's very episodic, too. Like, each episode is kind of just a sci-fi Star Wars journey. Like, each episode is like, his ship is broken down, and he needs to do this thing for these people in order to get away. And, like, that's the episode. It's kind of like Avatar. Yeah, man. Which would be the best transition ever, but I have to really quick. Okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have to, because the listeners are wondering, (laughs) yes, I've been watching WandaVision. Have (laughs) you? You let me know, and yes, I'm now all caught up. There are, at this point, six episodes out. I will say this. This is the the only main thing I want to say about WandaVision. I think it's so fucking cool, and I love what they're doing with, like, recreating what they can do with media putting out. And I don't understand why episode four had to be like stock Marvel uh, cinematography and music and tone and explain everything that honestly, like there was moments in episode five and six that would have been so much better if episode four had not been like, here's what's going on. You know what I mean? I read a review that I think is to blame for that. I read a few reviews. There are people like published critics Mm -hmm. complaining that the show is taking too long to answer questions i hate it's like i don't care like people are too used to a whole 10 episode series being released at once so they can just watch it all they don't like tv shows it's like do you guys remember when lost was a thing and we had to wait like four or five years just to find out And the whole point of that show (laughs) was, I don't know what's What's going going on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I 100% agree with you. And I've talked to a few people, and a lot of people don't agree with that. They're like, episode four is when it gets good. And that bums me out. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, it's it's not bad, like that episode and that aspect. And there are some characters who I'm not going to tell you about, because you're going to be really happy to see them return in episode four um, from past Marvel movies. At least me. Some people are going to be like, come on, really? That's the character you're bringing back? (laughs) No, I I get it. I'm one of those people who are like, I like that character. So there are some cool things that you know can be taken from that. But I agree. It's just like, you had this format, you really could have done something great with it. And I know it's not a response to the critiques happening now. Right. You can't just Real like time. make an episode of <laughs> yeah, a show. Right. In real- yeah. Right. But I think it has to do with culture, you know, like yeah. uh, the binge culture. But anyway, still suggest it for our listeners? I would still suggest it. I think it's really, really a cool show. Um, and, it th- and it feels like, I hate to say this, it kind of feels like you'll need to watch it if you're going to be into the Marvel Universe in the future. Which yeah, I'm not into that. Me neither. I don't like that. Not anymore. But the show's good, so I'll still recommend it. And yeah. if it ends up being necessary for future movies, it's I not might shame be like it a, a little in the future. <laughs> yeah. I might be like, fuck that show, but it was fun. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure, sure. Uh, anyway, well, we've been talking too much about shows, so we should probably talk about another show. <laughs> <laughs> the show we're here for, the show you love to hear us talk about, we're talking about. Calvin? Avatar The Last Airbender. You're listening to A New Lens, 
I'm Calvin. This is a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. Almost stumbled on that word and then I didn't. We've been watching Avatar The Last Airbender um, episode by episode and we are on season three. Episode 10, right? It's 10, right? I think it's 10. Oh, shit. I think it's 10. It's like one of my favorite episodes. That's all I know it is. It's... This is a the episode I love. Yeah, Wait, I did mean, I say that ten times already in the show? Fuck mm-hmm. you. Who cares? It's been a minute <laughs> since we talked about Avatar. You can you can return to the the tropes that I bring to the table. <laughs> it is episode ten of the show. We're halfway through the final season, and we've got the first episode of a two parter. Oh boy, we're on the day of Black Sun, part one, the invasion. Oh my Speaking God. of which, so much in this episode, dude. As you're listening to this, you're looking ahead. You're thinking, how are they going to talk about both parts of this episode in just an hour or so of time? We're not. We're not. We we're know that we would be doing a two and a half hour episode if we tried. Yep. So we're going to be talking about part one. I'm sorry if you just watched both parts and you were really hoping we would be talking about both parts. We probably should have let you know. But honestly, now you gotta, now you gotta wait. Now you get now a cliffhanger, just like we did yeah. at like, the end of this episode. Because yeah. we stopped, we you didn't gotta, keep watching. We got a cliffhanger. Now you do too. Exactly. You, you, you're not gonna Wandavision it and get all the answers right away. <laughs> <laughs> no, more like Lost or the Leftovers, <laughs> right. where you might not get some answers at all. <laughs> um, but also, uh, we're getting back to our schedule, and the next episode will be out in like three or four days. So. <laughs> Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, don't worry like, about it. Uh, you'll have to wait like 72 hours or something like that. Well, the episode begins with Aang feeling super well rested because as we remember, he was having a lot of sleeping problems. And mm-hmm. we start with basically the beginning of this day of the invasion and he's ready to go, which is really relieving. And Sokka is like scrambling to get ready because everybody's about to show up for this basically battle and Mm -hmm. he's the guy who's like the guy he's the planner he's the guy people start to show up under fog cover which is really cool and i'm not going to go into detail on who all shows up because it's going to be really fun to talk about oh yeah a lot of people come back that we've seen before and as they're getting ready for this battle it comes down to Sokka being the one to lay out the plans and he kind of fumbles so his Mm -hmm. dad comes and helps him helps lay out the plans and it's a it's a, a moment I want to talk about. So they plan their invasion and basically with the help of some inventions, with the help of the natural uh, occurrence of the eclipse, they, they think they got this. So they start the invasion. Meanwhile, we've got a little side thing going on with Iroh. What's that? He's got a nice uh, guard in jail that he's talking mm. to. We got a side thing with Zuko. What's that? He's wearing like... A cloak with a hood up. He's leaving a note on his girlfriend's bed. What's he doing? All the while, Aang gets going. He gets to the Fire Lord's palace where he's going to fight him. And no one's there. Aang realizes that they might have known they were coming. Because no one's in the palace. And that's like the cliffhanger of the episode. Did I miss anything? Uh, I mean, we're going to get into all the it's nitty-gritty, just a really, but... Uh, yeah, it's like a nitty-gritty. Gritty. There's a lot of details. Yeah. I could have just said it's a, an invasion and yeah. it ends with a cliffhanger. The thing honestly. about this episode is like, there's a lot of really cool um, sort of 
payoff for everyone who has been watching episode by episode. Like, if you just totally. turned this one on, it'd be like, okay, there's some cool stuff happening. But, like, the first half is there's a lot of payoff. And then there's just a lot of setup for what is going to be just an incredible, I mean, I don't know, incredible payoff <laughs> in the next part. Um, th there's a lot of battle and payoff. You know, there's not a lot of, like, there's character arcs and content sort of strung throughout instead of that sort of being the basis of this episode like I feel like most episodes of Avatar are. You know what I mean by Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is bold of them to do. It doesn't, yeah. you know, when you change up your uh, format, basically, it's bold because, you know, you're hoping you're going to be engaging kids. You're hoping you're going right. to be engaging your, you know, uh, I'd say they succeeded. I would say they I'd succeeded. Say this is I mean, a yeah, very. It, it reminds me, honestly, of Helm's Deep, like yeah. being oh, a, huge a very well done battle that I know what the fuck is going on. I know the uh, geography of the battle because of yes. Sokka's dad laying it out for us in the beginning. I know mm -hmm. what each machine involved can do and what their weaknesses are. It's just right, perfectly laid out. Oh, and yeah, and. Well established that uh, the forces involved and, like, the number of people, like, feels deserved and earned of, like, the tone of epic battle. But also it doesn't overwhelm you with characters, you know? Like, Absolutely. there's just yeah. enough. You check in with sort of everyone as the episode progresses. So you remember, like, oh, yeah, that character's there and they're here helping. But it doesn't spend so much time to be confusing or, like make you invested in things that you don't need to be invested in. You know what I mean? Or not get enough to be invested. Right. Exactly. Uh so let's let's start the the beat by beat. We've got this very first shot on these cliffs that the last episode, which man, it's been a few weeks since we watched, but just moments, like a couple hours since the ending of the last episode. <laughs> cool? Like canonically. I love that. Um Sokka's looking at these maps on the these cliffs where they spent the last episode um and they had even you know established here's this little bay where the ships are going to arrive and it's satisfying to see that payoff in this episode as well yeah they're not just in like another new area they've been there right yeah ang wakes up uh like you mentioned and he's just like he says he slept like a baby moose lion <laughs> um and then this is where you start being i i feel like i started recognizing there's going to be a lot of context in this episode and a lot of like reminding. I don't think it's, you know, I think it's well done, but you know, Toph asking like, what's the plan? Are you going to glow blue and like, you know, beat him up? And Ang reminds us that no, when Azula like got me in the back, it blocked my my uh, eighth chakra. My uh, cosmic uh, energy was blocked and I can't go into the avatar state. Um, and so you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I need to remember that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I think, I think the way it's written is almost like meta, like almost yeah. wall breaking, because he right. says it in such a explanatory way. And he might as well look at the top. Is like, yeah, and Toph is just like, all I heard was universe, universe, spirit, <laughs> mumbo, or something. You know, she mumbo like jumbo, yeah. does not understand what he's saying because he's saying it in the only way and only a way that we get. Because right. we were there for the guru episode. Toph wasn't, yeah, you know? Right. It's great. Right, yeah. Um, but also that makes it relatable. Like, they, he does say that stuff, but it also plays out 
how it would with those characters hearing that sentence. You know, Toph's like, yep, what? <laughs> um, yeah. And then they see this fog in the distance, and <laughs> Katara's like, do you think uh, that fog is going to mess up the invasion at all? And Sokka's like, nah, <laughs> that fog is the invasion. <laughs> Dude, such a satisfying moment. Like you said, yeah. this episode's full of payoffs. I think mm-hmm. that's the first one, right? Yeah, yep. It's so good. And we or just s- Aang waking up, but yeah. still, is this is just so good. I love it because it's something that, like, should be super obvious to us. Mm-hmm. But then once we realize it, we're like, "Oh, oh. that's so cool!" <laughs> yep. Um, we see these ships coming in to this bay that has been established. I love Toph making these, uh, like makeshift Earth docks. These stone it's- slabs coming up. It's one of those little things that this show does so well, like using bending for, uh, you know, like, hey, we need a thing now. Not yeah. just fighting, not just defending, but just mm-hmm. like, hey, we need uh, we need water. Oh, cool. We have a waterbender. Right. Hey, we need docks. Okay. Uh, just make them out of earth. It's just, oh. it's one of my favorite things about the show as a whole, honestly, is that bending isn't just like for fighting. It's a way of life. Right. So, like, there are things that uh, bending can help with that have absolutely nothing to do with fighting. Yeah. So great. And also extremely satisfying how they've met so many different people who can do so many different things. And now they've got them all in one place. Like, pretty much all of them. Uh, this is such a satisfying character bringing I, back I love sequence. the fact that Sokka came up with a list for his dad, for Hakoda. Me too. And he's like, it's... did you get everyone that I told you to get? And he's like, yeah, it was you. Uh, are you sure about some of these people? And the first people off the boat are the fucking swamp hicks. And I we get these. the like the music. Oh, they are. I, I love the recognition the like self-recognition of this show being like, yeah, I realize how fucking deep we got with uh, Hugh in the swamp when he was like, time is an illusion and so is death. <laughs> and they're like, uh, I wish they would put on some pants and it cuts to Hugh and he's like, pants are an illusion and so is death. <laughs> like they're fully I aware honestly, of how ridiculous that I is. I laugh hard. Every time, because I've seen this episode like three or four times now throughout my life. <laughs> yeah. That gets me. And Every it's such time. an easy, it's like, it's just there for the take in that joke. And they <laughs> just take it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, man. Oh, it's so good. Uh, next one's off the boat. We've got Haru and his dad. Haru's, Haru's got, got, the got your facial hair. Oh yeah, I suppose I kind of have the. That's the Haru like now. the because like I feel like Haru on this show was like when we first met him, he was older than the gang, but not much. He was like yeah. seventeen. Yeah. Now he's like eighteen. Right. You know what I mean? He yeah, just totally. And that's when you were seventeen. You shaved all yep. the time because you're like I don't feel comfortable quite gross. yet, just <laughs> letting this be. Yeah. And then at some point, once you turn like 18, <laughs> I remember you're like, yeah, I'll do the mustache yeah, I'll try goatee it. combo. Try and it, it looked good. Just like Karoo. It's like, hey, I can do this now. I don't think it's really <laughs> Even, looked good until like a few months ago, but <laughs> thank you for saying so. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. I think facial hair 
is it looks better to other people yeah. way earlier than it looks yeah, to I you. Right. Like if you rewatch um Lord of the Rings and actually pay attention to facial hair. Hmm. I mean, it's medieval, you know, so like they can't have like well-groomed beards. Yeah. There's some like ooh, Gross. neck beards and stuff, <laughs> yeah. man. You know what I mean? Oh, and they're still so badass looking. So yeah. don't worry about All that. Right, well, I mean, now you don't have to worry about it. Oh, you got man. a pretty thick goatee. Well, thank Anyway, Haru. Haru's got that <laughs> goatee. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and his dad and and the other Earth Nation folks that, that were freed from the prison because of them. I mean, it was like katara mostly her connection with haru and his dad that inspired all these people to rise up and he's brought all these earth nation troops it's so cool he's basically become like the general of their army right dope as fuck oh so good next one to show up hippo and the boulder Oh, and I love that Toph is like, wait a second. And then he just picks her up. Hippo happy to see blind bandit. Like, it's so great. And then the boulder being like, we no longer fight for entertainment. Now we fight for For our our country. Yeah, for (laughs) our kingdom. And Toph just goes, sweet. (laughs) I love it. Because that's how I felt. I was like, fucking sweet. Yeah. And then we've got probably the most influential for this episode, the oh yeah, the main person coming back, the mechanist who was I love that they introduced him with some inhabited uh, the Finnegan. Northern Air Temple. Yeah. Horn half him, half and hum. Churn this water into rum. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, basically. He's that, <laughs> yeah. He's that of the Avatar universe. Yeah. And I love that. I, I like, actually I read in the trivia, you know, that that way he's introduced is an explosion goes off on the ship and it's like peanut sauce everywhere. And peanuts are actually apparently an ingredient in dynamite. So it is not ridiculous. It's not like completely ridiculous and goofy that he would be trying to make like a peanut sauce bomb. Oh, is that wild? (laughs) That is wild. I would have had no idea. I was on Sokka's what page, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting but this is another person who like has a very unique skill and ability that he brings to the table but also in combination with Sokka who they had sort of vibed when they met together and Sokka has even gone further with his you know embracing of how he can see different scenarios and like imagine things and use his creativity and idea generation to benefit the group and (laughs) i mean we'll get to the moment later but he's like uh they talk about uh sort of their invention whatever uh that might be sokka's suggestion for an invention Mm -hmm. and we'll see how it works you know i love that sort of it's honestly to me very very cool how they're able to basically show us like how this universe technologically advances later on Without us being like, this seems far-fetched. That's the one guy in the world who, like, invented stuff that's probably going to be, like, very influential in 100 years. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels very much like, of course, that's the guy. Right. And, of course, he's, like, inventing these things. Uh You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And it's way more impactful than it is on this episode. Like, the things, we'll get to it soon. Mm -hmm. The things that they're inventing, it's like... 
it's world breaking. You know, it would yeah. be like when someone this isn't it, but because we've already seen them fuck around with this, it'd mm-hmm. be like if he invented airplanes. You know what I mean? Right. Like it would like, just change the fucking almost game. Almost did. Like he basically like we've seen exactly the, the blimps. He's invented uh, gliders. You know, yeah. and or gliders. Yep, and yeah, the, yeah. The air balloons. No, air balloons. You remind me yeah, the yeah. air balloon. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think it's done in a way that's just like very natural, but also very like it. It's like a thing. You know. Absolutely. Um, the last people, just to make sure we mention all the characters coming back, we've got Pipsqueak and the Duke coming back as well, uh, joining the crew. And Super I, great that they're coming back, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. And one of the things the Mechanist has actually been working on, uh, that Teo, his kid, um, gives Aang something that they've both been working on, a new glider. So the glider oh. that he stuck into the lava and burned up, he's got a new one now. And it feels, yeah, that's some bringing back the Mandalorian. Yeah. The Mandalorian does an absolutely fantastic job of being like, oh, uh, your payment will be a weapon. And then when you see the weapon, it's like, right. oh, that's so dope. And then he uses <laughs> the, the weapon thing. for the rest right. of the show. Yeah. You know, it's like totally. you were describing. It's kind of like a video game, yeah. but not in a shitty way. Like, oh, this is just a video game movie in the way that's satisfying while you're right. playing video games. You of get like the same satisfaction collecting. as from playing yes. a video game and getting a new thing. And it's something you can use to like creatively find solutions to obstacles. Like, yeah. Yes. And this is that in Avatar. Him new getting this glider. new glider. Now, it with feel... snack compartment. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's blue, which is yeah. like, I don't know. It just makes it cool. I don't know why, but him yeah. having a blue glider just is cool. I don't know. Totally. And it's squarish. <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly different. <laughs> uh, this it is, is so dope. This though. is when we get our first cut over to Iroh. Um who th- there's this guard who is the same guard that it, it, voiced by the same guy who has played the guard um fuck this th- guy throughout the show fuck this guy but also i just think it's really cool i mean there's so many people that i could be uh shouting out like there's so many actors hopefully i've touched on them in the episodes where they were introduced and stuff like that but this guard is played by wayne duvall who's like a big deal he's like a very serious actor he's in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? In Prisoners, in The Trial of the Chicago 7, in the movie Lincoln. Like, if you saw his face, uh, I'll send wait, I'll send it to you after we're done recording. You'll be like, yeah, I'll oh know my God. Exactly. <laughs> you will know those exactly movies, who he is. You're naming movies I've seen and loved. So I'm like, okay, I must know this guy. Yeah. You. you um, yeah. But uh, anyway, this, this guard says to Iroh, he's like, uh, you're never stepping outside here ever again. Uh, and then it's like shift change, basically, for the guards. Yep. And then this uh, this woman, Ming, comes in. And, Do you uh, have the voice actor that um, voices Ming? Serena I Williams. Just fucking love Ming. Oh, I love Ming. Yeah, man. Barely any lines, but wow. Do they... Uh, Holy shit. Wait. It's Serena Williams as in, like, Serena Williams, one of the top female tennis players in the world. Like, what? Wait, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> and she, oh, okay. She's actually done a good bit of acting, too. She was in Ocean's 8. She was in the movie Pixels, which I did not hear good things about. But, like, 
She's done. She has like a bunch of acting credits. And she's also like one of the best like athletes in the world. (laughs) Like, holy shit. Okay, cool. That's Serena Williams. Oh my God. No wonder Ming is so awesome. Like, holy shit. Yeah, that now I'm like, now I'm not even surprised, you know? (laughs) Yeah, man. So cool. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, but she's th- this character has been sneaking in white jade tea. Oh, I love that. You know, it is great. I did see on the uh, on the wiki, white jade is the flower in the second season that he was trying to decide upon, and it turned out it was poisonous. <laughs> so they just kind of they just messed that up in the writing. They just. I almost don't want to bring it up. Wait, the white jade is the poisonous one? Yes. Remember the white jade it's flower not... that he was like, I'm going to make, it's either the most delicious tea or poison. And it was poison. So the white, so I thought, oh, that's, that's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like, it, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's one of those situations. A different breed. Like, or, uh, you know, like, uh, I can't think of it, but there are foods that like you need to ferment in order for them to be able to sure. be eaten sure. or they're poisonous you know what i mean like yeah. maybe fermented leaves uh let's just yeah yeah <laughs> head cannon <laughs> something like that i also wanted to say i wrote it down yeah. and i stand by it even to the end of the episode mm-hmm. i really think that um uh the voice actor who plays iro we mentioned him in the last episode and yeah. it's not mako um because, which is like yeah. really unfortunate. It's better in this episode, I think. It's a little maybe just like episode. a little bit, but it's still. I, re- not I after the episode went back, and it's definitely better. Like his line to Zuko, I think because it was so serious. Mm-hmm. I think the the uh, was it Greg Baldwin? Yeah. I think his name yeah. is. We said George Baldwin, he... by the way, uh, in oh, one of the did? last episodes, and I'm sorry, listeners, it is Greg Baldwin. Not sorry, Greg. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. But I think that serious talk, he like had to be serious. And yeah. it didn't work as well. Where right. this feels a little more like I'm being kind to Iroh. And right. that is the voice he has down a little better. You know, I think you're it right. It doesn't yeah. take me out. I still know it's not Mako, but it's not like I'm taken out. It's like, right. you know, okay, that's not him anymore. Yeah. I'm, I think yeah, I'm getting okay. used to this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I can I can now just focus on what the character is doing in this episode instead of just going, it's not Mako. Exactly. Because he's he is doing things now. We're like, wait, right. what? Um, but we cut back over to the gang, uh the the uh Mecha gang. <laughs> the the largest version of the gang we have yet seen. Um, and they are prepping for this battle. Sokka is about to like Talk to everyone, like, en masse. Uh, and he walks up, and he's they're like, you can do it. And he gets up, and he's like, good morning, everyone. And he's just, he's so nervous. He flubs it. He flubs, yep. he really does. He do fumbles over his that? words. Um, I think it, it does actually make sense, because I think he has something that he's living up to, and yes. trying to be his dad, who is right there like watching him i was a little along bit hoping with you're gonna be like this doesn't crowd. feel like it's in character so i could say exactly what you're saying right now because <laughs> yeah. that's how i i originally as it was happening i was like wait but Sokka's the It'd man be better like, he thinks of stuff he's but 
you're right. Like, and if you think about it, like his dad, every time he's, he's never had, done this. every every time he's had these great ideas, it's been in smaller quarters. You know, it's been and either it's him been and spur of the moment, Master Piandao, or him and the gang yep. in the drill. Like, it's yep. a spur of the moment things. But this is giving the like trying to communicate the plan he has been forming for weeks and weeks to the mass of people who are about to execute it and in very, very dangerous circumstances. Like, this is a very, very high-stakes circumstance. And he is, what, 14, 15? Yeah. That's that's a lot. Accurate. It makes sense that he's... So, yeah, it, it's accurate. He, his... he flubs it. <laughs> um, I, I really, love... <laughs> really like his dad... Oh, sorry. Were you going to say... Just before his dad the... steps in, he goes, Okay, I'm sorry. Let me start at the beginning. Katara and I were in a boat one day, and we found Aang in the iceberg, and we discovered him, and he's actually the Avatar, and he just, like, starts telling the entire story. And Katara just, like, wow, Ending. he really is, he really does mean the beginning. Oh, my God. And I love that it ends with, and we met Haru, who now has a mustache, and he's sitting in the front row if you want to see it. <laughs> yeah, and right. then when they cut off of uh, Sokka to the group, yeah. you see Haru stroking his mustache <laughs> really? with a look of, like, does this look good or what <laughs> on his face? Catch that. That's awesome. very good. Um, but Hakoda does interrupt him and gives a very succinct, good speech. And he says, there's it's two great. phases of this. And it's also helpful for us as the viewers because he's very exactly. succinct. He shows the maps. He's like, there's two phases. We've got the naval phase and the land phase. We have to get past this gate. And then we have to land and make our way to the palace. Boom. Setting up what's we about to happen on the show. So when it happens, we're not like, what's going on? We were day. Um <laughs> Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I've watched a lot of and referenced a lot the uh visual effects artists react, and mm. they also do stunt men react. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh they all whenever a stunt person talks about good action scenes, they almost always talk about knowing the geography of the action scene. Yeah, totally. Shit is way more satisfying when you know when you where understand and the what space is going it's taking on. place in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the point of this. I mean that immediately the rest makes me of think the episode. Of the the Ip Man series that I just watched and talked a little right? bit about about on the show. There is always very, very, very clear establishing of like the space they're in. Crane yep, shots, and okay, like shots. he's in this large space, and there are really long poles. So yeah, man's gonna be using the that's long. That's the one pole. I'm thinking of too, man. I, I knew you why. were because that why. it's like it's the so best good. one, man. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, whacking that dude in the ear. Anyway, but we also get the context uh, of like uh, they ask why wouldn't we like wait for the eclipse to start to begin the whole thing, and Hakoda reminds us the eclipse is gonna last eight minutes. We want to get there before it starts, so we have, so we're there to overtake the Fire Lord in the time that it matters. And um, I'd like to add that that moment completely solidifies and confirms if the earlier moment with the boulder hadn't already that he fully talks like that all the time. The boulder is confused. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It isn't his showmanship thing. <laughs> that's right. Like even when he met so up with Toph earlier and it was like people happy. Yeah. The boulder fights for his freedom or whatever. You know, like yeah. I could see that being his last showmanship thing. But right. nope, nope, he's just like that all the that time. That is him. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh Hakoda ends this speech saying, We're by the end of today, 
we will have overtaken the Fire Nation palace and the war will be over. And they all cheer to that and we get a quick cut on Sokka's face. Oh, just... Oh. So bummed that he flubbed it. But, you know, gotta move forward. Um... Then we've got a couple like quick shots of people preparing and people changing costumes. It's so oh, it's great. so good and it's so satisfying to see them like Akba's build themselves armor. up. Okay, okay. Uh, we've got Katara filling extra pouches. She's got like she's got three two, or like, four. Uh, yeah, like I imagine that she, uh, you know, was able to get more because they've got a whole water tribe now. Yep, right. You know, she probably was like, do you guys got any extra water skins? Oh, yeah. Grab yeah. whatever you need. Right. You know? Then we've got Toph with these armbands, these like studded armbands in the helmet. Which totally were brought by Haru, his dad, in yep. that army. 100%. Like they had extra shit. We've got Hakoda putting on this wolf helmet, which we've seen him. Like, they, they've been in sort yep. of Water Tribe armor. Um, but then we've got Oppa. It's so cool. It's so cool. And Oppa even seems like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> he knows he looks He looks. He dope. knows he looks badass. Yeah, he, he really like, does. gives a little, like, stomp and a roar. And then we've got Aang by the water shaving his head. And finally, Aang is back. The, the hair has been... Dude. We've gotten used to it. And it's just like watching him... And watching him shave... Like, if he had just shown up having had shaved it, it'd be like, oh, cool. Okay, he's back. But watching him... Something about watching him kneel by the water and cut it's off because, and layer in by layer of the hair. the context of... People are getting ready for this. Right. This is armor up, you know? Mm-hmm. This is preparing for your your destiny in battle, and he's shaving his head. Like, yeah. that's part of his preparation. It makes it yeah. not, like, a hygiene thing. It makes it a traditional or a, like, almost spiritual, like, practice before battle. Like, he can't just be... The hidden guy, he's Aang. He needs right. to be Aang when he goes to battle. The Avatar. I love his outfit. How did they do... Did you read enough trivia to know like what the outfit is? Because is it his Fire Nation shoes? They said it's mixed? sort of a combination of the Fire That's Nation so and his Fire Nation That's so fucking cool. Outfit. Yeah, I agree. It looks so good. It really it does. It looks so good. And it, it looks distinctly enough different, but also very much a return to form. Like, yes. He's re- it's like and a also, mini upgrade. I mean, if you've never seen the show before, maybe this feels very specific and correct in the momentum of the show. But I find it interesting now, like, knowing the whole course of the show and having just watched the episode, thinking about it in this moment, like, this is the outfit... This is what he is preparing to look like when he changes the world. He, you know, yeah. like he yeah. he is ready to he's in tr- some traditional garb but now like ready to fight and head shaven and like ready to go. And also this could be like I could just bring this up and laugh about it and it could be a goofy moment, but it's not for some reason. I love that this sheep just comes up next to him as he's looking out and he's got this staff and this random animal he doesn't know just comes up next to his side and he looks down and smiles at it and like scratches his head. There's just yes. something so like pure. I'm saving the world. Right. I'm, I, yes. This is the world I need this to This animal I don't know. This is why. 
it, it's not just yeah. for the people back there who are counting on me. Right. It's for this animal too. You're right, dude. I it gave, it gave me chills. It didn't make me laugh. It gave yeah. me chills. I'm like, Ang fully gets it now for yep. maybe the first time. Like why he is the avatar, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, now we've got Zuko. Uh, I think this is our first check-in with Zuko in the episode. He's sort of laying down his royal armor. Um, and he starts writing a note. That's all we really get in this first little blip. Um, but it just puts him on your radar. And now we've really mm-hmm. got pretty much every character except for Azula and those three and the Fire Lord. Every other character almost from the entire show is like on our minds right now. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and it's not overwhelming. In a digestible which is way. so yeah. amazing. For a 23-minute episode of TV. Right. And we're only like 10 into it right now. Yeah, 15, man. you know. It's crazy. Uh, we get back to Sokka, who is now in full... Like, the, he is in the armor that we have seen his dad wearing every time we've seen him. You know, he is in mm-hmm. full wolf armor, water tribe, helmet, fur. Fucking... Oh, I don't know why. There's just something about his... Getting into that garb is so satisfying satisfying. to me. Yeah, but he starts complaining, or not complaining, but, you know, he starts just... He's bummed. He's bummed. He's bummed. He fell apart. He uh, wasn't able to do it. He's talking to just him and Aang, and Aang's like, so what? It's just public speaking. You know, everyone's bad at public speaking, and Sokka's like, not my dad. He went up and gave the perfect speech to get everyone ready and prepared to do this and i get where he's coming from like me too that's that hurts you know it hurts but also i get angry too it's like you organize this whole thing you can't be bummed just because you got nervous for a speech you know i yeah and it's cool that the show shows us someone trying to do a thing and that thing isn't what they're supposed to do you know yeah that's not Sokka's moment yep usually the show wouldn't even do that you know right and it's not a huge learning experience it's a little learning experience Mm -hmm. you know but it it's needed it's a necessary moment for Sokka's growth I don't know it's It's also uh, I mean character arc to laid throughout this episode to make it more personal engaging so it's not just exactly yep but yeah, I do like as you were saying, like this is th- that was not his moment. That's how Ang puts it to him is like your moment of truth was not that. Your moment of truth will be out there on the battlefield. And uh Sok is like how like how are you <laughs> feeling? Like how do you know this is going to go well? And Ang says, "I already failed the world once at the Earth Kingdom, and I won't let myself fail again." Like and he really has Zach Tyler Eisen, man. I believe it. I believe he's got the determination now. Um, Oh, which makes, I mean, like, knowing makes this hard, but... uh. So they set out. They're on the ships. Um, And through these sort of basically binoculars, they're... uh, Or a scope? What do you call that? The the one-eye thing? A telescope? I think so. Uh, Yeah. But, like, on a ship, like, a captain pulls out his... I don't even know what it is that. Monocular? Monocular. Interesting. Someone is going, oh, 
talk to their headphones, but um, it's called a bobolof. <laughs> they look through their bobolofs to uh, yes. uh, the this gate, and they're like, "There's not really a gate there, but I mean, you can see the netting coming out of the dragon's mouths on either yeah, side like, into wait, the water. What? And in the middle, there is a statue of Fire Lord Azulon. Uh, and they get their fog cover. They get the swamp waterbenders and Katara to get their fog cover. We're going to sneak cover. past this just like we speak, sneak past that Fire Nation Brigade. Yeah, that's I love right. That, you know? Oh, yeah. Real good. Um, but as they get close, they are discovered. This, like, alarm bell goes off, and the nets raise up and whoosh, burst into Start flames. on fire. It's yeah. so... This is just another example of the episode just having things that make sense but feel just, oh, right. Oh, that's cool. I wouldn't have thought of that. And I was watching it with Eva, and she was sort of like, okay, couldn't the waterbenders just, like, raise, like, use the water they're floating on to, like, put out those fires? But those nets are enormous. They only have so many water. Not just that. I liked. I think that the dragons on either end are like are continuously breathing fire. I think you're right. And these uh, fences are made out of metal that is, I think, hollowed out. Yeah. With like holes in it, so like the fire is going through them and burst. Like this is like. I, I think specifically designed against Water Nation because who Probably. else would be coming through the water? You yeah, know? that's a good point. So while I thought of that too, I also thought, well, then the Fire Nation thought of it. Right. If I thought of it, the Fire Nation thought of it. Right. That's that's kind of my like head cannon go to whenever I'm like, this seems like something that could be broken pretty easily. Well, then the Fire Nation thought of that, and it probably couldn't. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's a great point that I honestly, you know, maybe. Maybe they could have tried. <laughs> she also, I, I don't mean to put my girlfriend on blast, but she was also like, couldn't they like airbend it out? And I was like, how many airbenders do they have again? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. One. <laughs> um, sorry, Eva. In the world. Um, but they get to this gate and this is where Hakoda says, I hope your invention works. And they all go uh, under, uh, so down cool. below deck. And these Fire Nation sort of scouts come out and board the ships, and they're like, there's no one on board. And then we cut to an underwater shot, and we see these, like, whale-shaped submarines. Dude, Sokka and the Mechanist invented the ships from Atlantis, Lost City or whatever, or Lost Empire. Yeah. It's like those ships. It's so cool. Oh, uh, they're so And good. that's that's something I was, like, kind of getting at earlier in the episode is, like, Sokka single-handedly, like, changed transportation. Yeah. With, like, this, like, which we now know because we get a little, oh, wow, this is a great example, uh, great invention. Couldn't have done it without Sokka, though his plans were a little bit hard to decipher. Right. And we see Sokka's <laughs> original drawing, and it's the same art style which i love yep. as his draw like when he painted for master piano and, and it was like really shitty yeah except it's just like a shitty boat with it's, like it's, two like it's stick whale. figure people in it it's a whale it's, with two people <laughs> in it like that that was his and idea you which, can tell great, there's dude. an arrow pointing down and the two people have like water between them so you're like <laughs> yeah. okay so water bending makes this thing go down yeah and right 
as silly as it all is, this changes the game for transportation for the rest of the world. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, I also love that Toph hates this even more than flying. <laughs> She's like, congratulations, you found a way of transportation that's worse than flying. And then the Duke, who's sitting next yeah. to her, offers his helmet, and she throws Want up in it. Yeah, she Want does. Helmet. She does. She throws up in it. Um, and then I'm going to reference that again in a second, but I love they explain, you know, like, it uses water bending to, to sink and to float. Like, this is powered entirely by water benders, which is, again, like you were saying, like, they can use it for, like, direct physical combat, but that's, like, barely the surface of what you can use bending for. There's so many utility, and I think the show exactly. as a whole has done a really good job at yeah, uh, this making show that clear. Feels like we were not only placed at the time of the Hundred Year War being something that needs to end, we're also being placed at a time of invention and, uh, like... I forget the word, you know, like moving forward. Innovation, um, yeah. Innovation. We're being like dropped into the a- Avatar universe right when like things like Toph can metal bend now. Sokka is inventing shit. Yep. There's also the Hundred Year War that needs to end. Right. It's not just the one thing. It's like, it's cool how the show does. And it doesn't feel like, uh, oh, because this is the show you're watching we're going to invent everything on it. Mm. It feels naturally placed within the time of this this world, you know? And they have plenty like, of inventions that they've already realized, but to see them continue yep. to grow, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love that it's still limited. It's not like he has created the most, like, advanced submarine no. that you could imagine. You need waterbenders in order to do you it. You need waterbenders That's in order to do it, and it has the setback of... Which also establishes the amount of distance that they're going. Like, the gates are just the entrance towards this huge bay. They need to yep. stop up for air uh, because there's a limited air supply. Um, and that's when we cut away and we get Iroh again in his jail cell. And it's lunchtime. And Ming, this character, still can't believe that Serena Williams. Yeah, I can't uh, believe that. Uh Hey, Serena Williams, will you be in our sh- our animated show about bending the elements? Oh, my God. You'll um, play a prison guard that's really nice. Right. And uh, Iroh thanks her for her little bits of kindness and says, it has made my days here in prison bearable. And then he says, you're looking a bit tired. I think you should go home and spend the rest of the day there. She's like, what? No, I feel fine. And he says, I think it's better that you are not here this afternoon. Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's just so, the best. It's just. It's so cool how we're just like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> I know what's going on here. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh man. Oh, and it's, I like, I've, I've seen stuff like this happen before, like, yeah, I think it's they, a you know, film I want to give you the you tip. Know? Like, I think it's an homage and also has been used since. And this one, to me, is the epitome of this, like, uh, trope. Me too. This is my favorite of that. Yeah. Um, and then when we cut over back to the, the submarines who are now uh, up at the top, Duke is washing his helmet <laughs> Washing his helmet out. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's like, you did offer it to her, bro. Yeah, you did. <laughs> 
uh, Sokka's talking to Aang, and he says, "Are you ready for the Fire Nation to know that you're alive?" He's like, "Yeah, I think I think it's time." Like he's still determined. Um, it seems like they're about done getting their air supply. Everybody's kind of going back in, and they leave Katara and Aang alone on top of this ship. And this is an interesting moment. I'm gonna say. It's just, I was gonna say that. Interesting. It's interesting. It's an interesting moment because they talk about how much they've been through. And Katara says it's so odd to think like how much we've been through together, how far we've come. And she says she's so proud of him. And it's a very genuine and beautiful moment. And Aang, I think it is intentional that this is it's I, I don't want to say like lapse of judgment. It's just impulsive. Aang is thinking yeah. about how everything in the world is almost definitely going to be different. Like, everything's going to be different after now. And that scares him, and he th- he thinks about how this thing that has been so important to him, his relationship with Katara, could be completely different or gone, and he wants to have some sort of culmination. He's been daydreaming about it. Like, and he kisses her. And, uh... Because he's he, he also right before said, what if I don't come back? So he's thinking, like, this could be the last time I see this person. He kisses her, and it feels like a good moment. And then they pull away, and she blushes and kind of looks to the side. And now I know Katang haters have used this moment as, like, support to their... Uh, idea that these two are not like good for each other and they're like does that look like a girl who just wanted to like and it's because this is a complicated moment I mean like I'm not gonna say like this is fantastic I just I want to get into it a little bit what are your thoughts yeah here here are my thoughts on the moment don't do that yeah (laughs) don't do that if you're watching the show and you think or if you've ever seen a movie and you think it would be really romantic to do that, like E.T. does it too. Right. And E.T. is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's literally one of my top ten favorite movies of all time, and I'll stand by that. Yeah. And Elliot in E.T. has a moment where um, an old movie is playing and E.T. is watching it at home and Elliot's at school and their minds are connected or whatever. Mm-hmm. And because of a pull-in, like the the dude pulls a girl in. It's a very the movie is classic. I I want to say it's Casablanca, but I don't want to. I haven't oh. seen Casablanca. Yeah, I so just I, recently. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those yeah. things. Yeah. But the woman is like pulling away from the man. And it's windy, and then he pulls her in, and they kiss, mm-hmm. and it's a very forced thing. Yeah. And Elliot does it too, and this feels like that. It feels yeah. like paying homage almost to like the. The guy just kisses her, and but that's showing it. that that's not like that doesn't feel great from the other side when it's like a big complicated and thing. Here's to just my be like I'm gonna solve this with a kiss. Yeah, I've I this is the first time I've even thought that her blush was a negative blush. You bringing mm. that up, yeah. I'll be honest. Really? I've always interpreted that, and maybe that's me being like maybe a little bit uh, immature when I've watched the show in the past. Sure. 
and been like, oh, yeah. I've always <laughs> interpreted that as Katara being like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. You know what I mean? But if you and... look at the expression that's drawn on her face, and that is not accidental because they have been yeah. so yeah. And they only have so many frames doing so to be little. able to. And yep. yeah, and they only have so many frames, and she looks you a bit uncomfortable very, after this. Very good point. That I honestly, I was uncomfortable, but I didn't think she was because of how many times I've seen this and thought, oh, she's cool with the kiss. Like it's a, uh, the blush means you know, like an anime when someone blushes, right. it's a good thing. You know what I mean? I think uh-huh. it's also so like she is nervous that he's not gonna come back. You know, totally. But instead of so, talking about it at all, and like. He just kind of kisses her and then flies off, you know? Yeah. So I guess long story short, it it's not as bad of a moment as the uh, Katang haters make it out to be because mm-hmm. it is a growth moment. It's showing us, you know, that like he's scared and a child and like this is something he feels like he needs to do. Yeah. And it shows us that maybe he didn't when she responds in that way. Yeah. But it also, I think, is a good thing for like an audience to see and know like yeah hopefully don't do that you know totally like talk talk about it give her a hug i don't know yeah to me to me that's but in the past i felt like he needed to do that which yeah. is interesting you know like young me was like i would do that i think this is a moment we can leave complicated because i think this is a moment we're going to reference back because i want to yeah. continue to talk about in this podcast my opinion of Katara and Aang because I know a lot Me of people too. have a lot of strong feelings and I think I do and too so do I. but I'm constantly informed by continuing to watch this show and doing this podcast so I'm totally. sure we'll return to it and have more perspective on it but I think that's a good uh notes on that on that beat for now let's check in with Zuko real quick yeah yeah <laughs> Zuko's looking badass he's dude. got the long I don't know hair, what it is the about robes. the robe yeah it's so cool to me him with his robe and like just like when he walks away. i mean he does some shit yeah we'll talk about it when he walks away and puts up the hood yeah i don't know there's yep. just something about it um someone pointed out in the well I'll, I'll get to that in a second he sees this clearly like uh commissioned portrait of him and may and <laughs> yeah like may looks just like yeah <laughs> she doesn't look yeah. happy classic um and he wraps up this letter he just wrote and he says sorry may and he leaves this letter on the bed i don't know if this is his bed or i think it's his bed so probably someone will discover it or he knows she's coming over or something like that but he's clearly leaving someone pointed out in the trivia that this shot of him putting the hood up and going out is kind of mirrored to the shot of his memory of the last time he saw his mother. Oh my God! Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That gave me chills. Yeah. Um, I noticed it when we first got on the video call, but I just want everyone to know that you're wearing literally an Airbender shirt right now, like a sweatshirt <laughs> with the the. Air it's silly that I do this, the... but a lot of times when we record our podcast. And I Hell know yeah. we are. When I'm getting dressed, I'll be like, oh, I'll wear an Avatar shirt. Choose an Avatar shirt. I have like so three or great. four Avatar shirts. Oh, so. man. That's awesome. Um, we get back to... We, we get a couple check-ins. We check in with Aang, who is flying along. And uh, 
his stomach grumbles as he's going in because they probably didn't eat a great breakfast. And so he uses this snack compartment. He's like, hey, it did come in handy. I just like that. It's just, it's a mini payoff of yeah. the many big payoffs. Also, I wanted to quickly, yeah. the Zuko moment. Yeah solidifies his relationship with May, which up until this point has been like 75% for me. I've mm. totally bought it. I've totally like it, the beach episode is what brought it from like that would be the person that they they pair him up with sure. when he goes back to the Fire Nation to, like, to this is an Oh, they actually like each other. Yeah, right. Now this feels like a relationship this is that meaningful. he is ending. Yeah. It's right. not just two people who like each other, two you know like I don't know. To me, him having to leave a note and looking at that picture, it's to him an important relationship, right. not just like a facade, like yeah. similar to him going to the the war meeting. That felt like a facade. Right. Like he was like, yeah. who am I? Should I be doing this? Totally. But he would be leaving a note for his dad if he felt bad about that, you know, but he does actually feel things for me. Yeah. Sorry. I just No, absolutely. I think I think that's a uh, really good insight. Um we we get to the ships and they're telling the earthbenders to go down and get in their tanks and we're like <laughs> tanks <laughs> it's so what? funny when the show just it's just a tank you yeah, know like they don't, right. they're not like earth crawlers right. or whatever yeah. it's just <laughs> right. it's a tank um and they're getting close to the the entrance like the docking of of this uh sort of palace here and these chain spears start going through the water. They've got these like chain spear guns, uh, sort of javelins attached by chains, you know, just spiking through the water. They're mostly able to maneuver these things. These uh, whale submarines seem pretty actually agile in the face of these. But one of them does get spiked. And I love the way he, uh, the waterbender who's there clogs the hole with ice. With but ice. the spike is still there, so it's brought up. Uh, and pulled out of the water, and then Katara on armored Appa flies by and just cuts the chain clean off with uh just a some some water. I was trying to find the right wording for that, like a spout of water, a a dash of water with a glass <laughs> of water. She just cuts right through it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, eventually they do get up to the uh uh. To the shore, they sort of beached whale <laughs> slide up, and uh, it opens up, and we see what these earth-bending tanks look like, and they're basically like snails, you know? Yeah. They're like snail it's so tanks. Cool. It's pretty dope. I will say that there's a, mom- a one moment in particular I'll touch on later that looks a little goofy, but for the most part, these tanks look pretty dope, and it's a cool idea. I think I know what moment you're talking about. Yeah, we'll get to it. Um and they charge. They they get in formation, and they've got like you know the the tanks in a row, and the troops that are on foot, sort of in between them to get some cover. I just think that's really smart, like actual sort of strategy being shown here. They start. They uh, drop rocks. These earthbending tanks drop rocks behind them to be bended by uh, the boulder and other earthbending people and Toph. Uh, up at these sort of towers where they're being shot at from. Um, Did it already happen? Did we talk about ice torpedoes? Oh, I must I have think, missed it. Oh, I, it, yep. I think it was right I just before. missed it. It's right before they, so, they actually dock, like beached whale. Yes, please, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They have torpedoes, 
and they're like ready the torpedoes and you're like torpedoes okay this is one step like into electronic warfare right I don't know. come on i don't know and then they show them and they're ice covered bombs that are then bended yep and i'm just in it it's again i'm like so, oh yeah there's that's no mechanism so other than awesome. the bending they yep bend these they ice covered torpedoes out it's which we Soda. understand how there are torpedoes because this dude is blowing shit up when we first met right, him. Right, you know, exactly. Like, that's his best. He's the best <laughs> at blowing shit up, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you for making sure we didn't miss that because that's such a dope use of, of bending um, exhibited in this episode. Uh, the Fire Nation tanks that we've seen before that can, like, flip over, like, they're sort of, they were used on yeah. the siege of the, the Northern Air Temple. They start coming out, and basically just all-out battle breaks out in this huge courtyard leading up to the entrances to the palace. It's so awesome. They've got these pots of water um, for the waterbenders. They're dropping these boulders. They're uh... Okay, here's the moment. One of these earth snail uh, tanks crawls up over on top of a tower and then, like, crunches in and it? crushes it it looks goofy do you is that what you I've were thinking of always too? thought it looks silly it looks, my whole life it looks pretty it pretty not great but the thing is part it of works it works it works and part of why it looks goofy is like the front of it kind of just like lifts up and then moves forward and like latches onto it and but they're run by <laughs> earthbenders they can make the thing do, move however they want to, you know? Yeah. So it makes sense. Exactly. But it does look kind of dumb. <laughs> Just a it little does. bit. Um, it looks it it looks like a caterpillar, you know? Like yeah. like being like, where do I go now? Huh? Uh, uh, Just right uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> um then uh one of these swamp guys says, Where's Hugh? And the swamp monster appears out of the bay and just wrecks some tanks like really wrecks some people throws a tank into yes. one of those turret yes. like towers oh my god like he threw that tank like a quarter mile you know we get a close-up <laughs> on his chest as it parts and there's hugh inside of it and we've got that banjo music and he's like takes a lot of time to gather up this much seaweed i love it i just love it yeah i love it um, and that's the sort of thing I, we're talking we about were where it's wondering, like, you get like, those little moments wait, how do you to get check those in. vines. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. not vines. It's seaweed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh my God. And then Sokka has this dope moment. I mean, he's doing well throughout all this, but he oh, wow. slices this dude's spear down the middle and like peels it back. We finally Ooh. see the sword Sokka in action. just fucking shit up with that sword yes and i think one of my favorite things is it makes sense too because this is like otherworldly metal yep i his metal is stronger than any of the metal they're facing against he's slicing through like wood metal <laughs> objects metal and with metal, his yeah. sword and it's just it's like not affecting the sharpness of his blade. Oh, and I just so think good. that's so cool. It's like adamantium or something, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally, totally. 
Um, he sees his dad in trouble. He shouts, dad, look out. And Hakoda's fine here. He, he takes care <laughs> of it. But I love that we're establishing here that Sokka does have his dad on his mind, you know, like he is keeping yep. an eye out for him because he has him, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that pays off, uh, in just a minute. Um, and it's one of those rare moments in the show that, they give us a whole sequence of someone fighting with no bending. Like, seeing his dad having spent, like, probably 30 years training. Right. Uh, it's different than what Sokka... Like, Sokka's really good in battle, too. But it's very much like, okay, he's been training for five years. Yeah. This feels kind of like an Ip Man situation. Mm. Like, he knows a spear is about to hit him before it does. And he, like... You know, right. turns, blocks it, totally. breaks it, hits the guy. Like, all this shit just feels like John Wick or something. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's very cool. And it's very well choreographed and very clear. Um, but uh, Hakoda realizes in order for us to get through, we need to take out these battlements, these towers that are shooting. Uh, love that word. I love the way he yeah. says it. Yeah. Battlements. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Sokka says, I have an idea. And basically his idea is let's get on Appa. <laughs> also, we didn't mention that when, when, when they were underwater, Appa had the like bubble of air around him. So he wasn't yeah, he was, that, like, down under with them. That Kataro. I, yeah, love, I that. love that. Appa is a huge part of this. Of why this is battle. so dope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they get on him. Katara's uh, water bending her sort of water arms. Sokka throws some bombs into the battlements. They're taking a bunch of them out, and they've got two more here, and they land between them. And Hakoda says, uh, you go over there. Watch each other's backs. I'll take care of this one. And they separate, and uh, working together, Sokka and Katara just pretty easily take this, this one out. Uh, Sokka again like just chopping through this just gun slices through this, and like, we cannon. know that the Fire Nation isn't going to make something out of like aluminum right this is like iron or steel yeah and he's just like no problem slicing through it like like bread <laughs> but they they go over and they see Hakoda jumping into the other battlement and an explosion comes from inside of it so I don't know what that is but it seems like it took care of the other ones, but it messed Hakoda up a bit. He stumbles out and he falls and they they run to him. Dad! And oh, it's... Oh, man, there's not, just it's something not about the way Sokka, oh, when he does man. that. It makes, it makes you immediately just episode uh, 14, season one, Bato of the Water Tribe, those flashbacks when he's thinking about his dad leaving. Yes. Like, immediately. Something about oh his voice God, and the way he's shouting. so that. right. It's just immediately that's the feeling you get brought back to. And like the feeling that you get whenever a character that you love is injured of, no, don't kill that character. Please don't kill that character. Yeah, right. You know what yes. I mean? It's yes. like this frantic desperation just for a few seconds while they're running up to him, like, are they about to run up and he's going to be like, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. Or is it going to be like, I'm injured. Right. We don't know. We don't know. And thank God he's just like, I'll, I'll be all right. Yep. I'm just injured. You got to go alone. And you're like, okay. Yep. Okay. But still. Katara is able to heal like, him a bit, but it's still concerned. not great. I will but say like, I'm looking at my notes and this is where we cut away to Zuko and his leaving for the last time hood moment. 
and he okay. he talks to a pit portrait of his mom too and says i've made some bad decisions but now i'm going to set things right and now you're okay. getting an idea of why he's leaving and what he's doing and like he's not just like He's not just like breaking up with May or something like that. Like he is making a big this... decision because he knows he fucked up at the end of season two in those crystal catacombs, you know? Yeah, I think this truly shows us that he finally gets what uh, Iroh from prison yeah. without even saying anything until, you know, a moment he did. But like right. he, what he was trying to tell him that like there's more to it than who your dad and his relatives are. Right. And it's also more than just blood. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, your mom and that side of your family is important. You get to decide. Yes. And this is him deciding. Yep. So satisfying. And we and it's not a payoff. It's just the mo the beginning of it too, right. which is yeah, great. Totally. They're not giving us the whole fucking cycle. The whole, you know. And the fact that this shot of him leaving, sort of homaging the last time he saw his mother being right after him talking to the portrait of his mother and like trying to honor yep. her by doing the right thing yeah. and speaking to her even though he hasn't you know he does not know where she went when he was a child oh um so yeah then we get this context with Hakoda that like I'm going to be okay Katara's able to heal him but Sokka's like heal him faster and she's like oh I'm sorry do you want to fucking do this um cuz you can't <laughs> and Sokka has this moment where he's like I know in his head he's thinking the speech before all of this was not my moment of truth. This is my moment of truth. And he, he has that And that's that basically what Aang said. Yeah. It's going like, to be out there. You're going to prove yourself in battle. And you so know? he says, I'll do it. I will lead the invasion. The eclipse is about to start and we need a leader to get us out there. And, oh, I mean, that's it's so... something I felt the whole episode, too, huh. which I got to say quick, is that something's about to happen. We don't have time to fuck around. Right. You know, like, this isn't an episode of, like, pausing. Like, when the kiss that we talked about happens earlier, right. they're like, come on, Katara, we got to go. Right. It's yeah. just like, she doesn't go, okay, and then walks over. She's like, yeah, oh, shit, shit. And jumps yeah. on Oppa and gets under the water. Which I think you know? is even more why is that like moment that is too. weird. Because, like... We're about to fucking go invade, the, like, and we're on a booking sh schedule. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that's yeah. happening here, too. Right. Sokka's like, I, I need to. Mm -hmm. I just need to. Because we have, like, it's an eight-minute eclipse. It's not an hour. Yep. It's not like we've got to, They need to plan this down to the minute. So he's yep. got to go, you know? And it's so classic. And, like, you know, relationships with both of your parents, whatever gender they may be, is, like, you know extremely important and valid but there's just something about especially in movies just like your dad saying i'm proud of you like you know there's just it's something about it it's i think i think the movie thing the in film history there have been a lot of daddy issues <laughs> yeah. so we as filmmakers resolve them through our art <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. and i'm not saying i'm not saying i have daddy issues yeah. but yeah. i'm saying the film the film industry <laughs> yes. in general is seems to have some daddy very issues. obsessed with daddy issues yes I it's very daddy so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the film industry in a word daddy <laughs> um, uh but uh Sokka, takes the leadership position. He runs out to the troops. He says, I want the tanks in wedge formation. He gets people into a, a strategic uh, sort of formation and starts to 
march on towards the main gates into the palace. And now we check back in with Aang. Aang flies down. He's in the city. And he flies down onto a building. And nobody's out on the streets. Ain't nobody to be seen. He finally gets to the palace. And a little bit, it's badass. And it would have been badass if, you know, it didn't work out the way it does. But also a little bit, really, Aang? Like, your line (laughs) to burst in was, The Avatar is back! (laughs) I don't know. Like, yeah, Not even, like, has returned. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, I don't know. But no one's there. Oh, and it's heartbreaking. And he just, oh, no. And then... Dude, that shot of the camera going around his head and him going, oh, no. Like, realizing. Oh. Made my stomach sink. But before we get a resolution, we cut back to Sokka leading the troops who break through the wall and they throw this bomb into the wall. They get through. The Fire Nation troops are falling back. Bato turns to Sokka and points up to the, the, uh, the main city and says... There in sight is victory. But unfortunately, we know what's going on. Because back at the palace, Aang bursts into the throne room. Where, like, this is where the Fire Lord should be. And it's not just empty. It's dark. It's, like, abandoned. The fire is not lit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everything's off. No one's here. They knew this and they This is where dipped. that shot is, isn't it? And this, this is where is that where shot, shot. And he says, oh, no. And then, not just, oh, no, but no, no, no. Like, oof. Yeah. We've all had an oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. We've all had one of those. And he just says, Fire Lord Ozai, where are you? And that's the end of the episode. They fucking knew... They were prepared for them. Ang said he would not let he won't let himself fail the world again, and there's nothing he could really do about it. They knew and they left. And they fuck kept troops at the front to make them think that they were on the right track. To waste their time. Oh it's just it's just heartbreaking. It's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. Um and we didn't say it yet, but it 100% makes sense because oh, yeah. we saw Azula yep. uh, hearing about the invasion in the Earth yep. when she was uh, disguised as, as Suki. Um, a Kyoshi warrior. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's not only like, oh, that kind of makes sense. It's like, this has been, I'm, like, when I'm watching this, I'm like, I'm surprised I didn't expect them to have done right. this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course. They set this up episodes ago. Yep. You know? I th- oh. I think the structure in the writing of this episode is why it works so well and digest and is so digestible with so much going on. Because they differentiate what groups are together, who is most important of those groups, and differentiate narrative lines throughout the show in ways that feel like they make sense weaving in and out. Like, you've got Aang. Aang has to kill the Fire Lord. Like, that's the main thing. That's one, like, current. Then you've got the troops. The main sort of person who we're focusing on there is Sokka. And then with Sokka, 
We've got like Hakoda and Katara and the rest of the water troops. We've got Toph and the Boulder and uh and then the swamp people are sort of separate, but they're all sort of part of this little camp of the troops. And then we've got the Fire Nation people that we care about, Iroh and Zuko. Like it just all I'm doing sort of visualizations with my hand that is helping describe how I'm thinking it, but I hope you listening in this audio medium get what I mean by how distinctly different each of these things are. Um, and if you've watched the episode, you know like how how well these are blended together. I don't know. I'm just especially talking out this whole episode. That is most what I'm impressed by and have realized. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that while the cliffhanger... This is a two-parter. It's yeah. it's made to be watched, I think, back-to-back. Back. I don't know for sure that it's necessary, though, because it's so well-made that, like, I'm cool waiting a week and picking up off that cliffhanger. Yep. Like, there, there weren't any big, specific, all right, this is going to be a thing that isn't a cliffhanger that... I need to watch the next episode to continue the arc in order to enjoy it. Do yeah. you know what I mean by that? Yeah, like, I do. It's, this is an episode, one episode, and it really does work. And I was su- super surprised that we were able to pull off only watching the one. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it was a little difficult, I will say. It was difficult, and I'm really excited to oh, man. Uh, for our next episode oh, yeah. because we just get to continue this awesome like arc but oh, in this moment they did a great job this, of having a break this next episode i mean this feels so satisfying and cumulative over the whole series but this next episode is like we say this shit a lot but <laughs> what you think of when you think of the show avatar like so many moments there's a guy in his couch listening right now going ah you yeah, guys you, said it. you know uh, I, i'm always thinking well, uh, that guy will also be probably thinking, hey, it's the end of the episode. I feel like they've uh, they've got a segment that they always do in every single episode, except what's for that, that one time. What uh, that what's that called? segment called? Kid moment of the week! Kid moment of the week! Kid moment. Uh, I've got, I actually marked a few. It's interesting that how, how many they worked into this like just jam-packed part one of this episode. Uh, especially being a, uh, battle, like having comedy in an episode about war is hard to pull off while maintaining the drama. Yep. And they definitely do. What are some that you have written down? I actually didn't write any down because I was so encapsulated with the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, I, I love pants are an illusion. But I think that is slightly oh. more satisfying to me as an adult than it was as a kid. And I feel like the point of kid moment of the week is to be like, this is the moment yeah. that's satisfying as a kid more so than as an adult, I think. Um, I love Toph taking the helmet like this, <laughs> the Duke just being like helmet and or just, yeah, and then throwing up into it. Um, and then the snack compartment, you know, in the glider. Ooh, that might be it. Because that is funny and totally a thing that a kid would be, be like, like, oh, I want that's that. Not... Oh, if I had a glider, yeah, like I it's... would have a snack compartment. <laughs> yes, yes. Because yeah. it's not, it's, it, the kid moment of the week is great, I think, because it can be a thing that is funny to kids and adults. Or it can be a thing that's like, oh, that's awesome right. to kids. Totally. But then becomes really funny as you age. Yeah. And that is one of those things. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, uh, I think I think I feel satisfied giving it to the uh, the snack compartment. Hell yeah. Uh, the snack department. Well, uh, a new lens is a legendary for production. So if you're looking for other stuff by us, uh, music. I have an album out that I would love you to check out. It's 16 minutes long. It's very chill, uh, instrumental sort of rock vibes, chill vibes. Um, Gary's got his YouTube channel. If you're looking for another podcast, though. We've got an actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast with the rest of the Legendary Four called Legendary Four Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. You can find all those episodes, all these episodes, all the rest of the content I was talking about on legendary4.com. And you can comment on any of the episodes in the comment sections. You can also reach out to us on social media. Check that out. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at New Lens Pod. Um, want to thank Sofina Sago for our podcast art. Yeah, as always. Uh, and you know, and you know what? I know we uh, already it's it's done and over with. It's been there. It's been done. But if you listen to the show because you really like Avatar and you haven't watched any of our or listened to any of our movie episodes, oh, yeah. I highly suggest you do so. Our last episode was specifically awesome. We were able to interview Riv Correa's the super cool uh, opportunity. Yeah. The actor who played the bassist in School of Rock. School so of rock. if you Chilo, like School of Rock, you've got a bass. <laughs> like bass. That's the and line. if you like us, the idea of us uh, having our first like interview with someone that we're a little starstruck by, <laughs> yeah, uh, check that out. I was really proud of it. Yeah, me too. And it went super well. It was really just like a good conversation with Rivka, like. We yeah. didn't talk too much about School of Rock a bit at the end, but mostly we just talked about their artistry and like life in general. And uh, it, was, it was really chill. Yeah, check it out. Um, also, check out that list of ways you can help the Black Lives Matter movement because we should never forget Absolutely. that that is a very, very important thing in our society um, to be paying attention to constantly now and forever. Um, so I've got featured links if you're overwhelmed by a giant list of places to donate. So check out that, uh, featured donation link or the rest of the list, you know, you know, help some people out. Whatever you got time for. Donate if you're able to, yeah, organizations doing good stuff. The entire world appreciates that. Yeah. (laughs) Not just us. That is appreciated by a functioning society. Thank you. Yeah. Well. Uh, I think that's all for this one. We will see you. Ah, I always want to say see you, but this is an audio medium, and I don't see anybody. Even if it was a visual medium, I'd just be seeing Gary. Gary, I'll see you on Sunday. Ah, I look forward to it, Calvin. Well, technically, I'll see you before that because we Now we've said our names out loud, so it's going to be kind of repetitive and weird right now when we outro with our names. Yeah, that's true. Isn't it? Um, Who cares? Deal with it. Well, uh, if you didn't understand from before when we said it, uh, I'm Gary. And I'm Calvin. And this has been... (laughs) (laughs) We got got you, motherfuckers. (laughs) We got you. (laughs) 